1: Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the
2: Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're broadcasting from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Today, as always, we thank First Bank for their support of our program. Also want to say hello to Dickie's Barbecue, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. Great place to enjoy the best barbecue on the planet. You can enjoy it Monday through Sunday. Every day they're open right next to the mall here in Hattiesburg or in a community near you. Dickey's, the food is great. The service is even better. We think uh, it's always a good decision when you choose Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Kelly Center is going to be joining us a little later in the show, but today we're happy to have Dr. Mark Horn back on. We're going to update uh, the coronavirus situation, how it's affecting sports all through South Mississippi. Uh, Dr. Horn, good to have you on the show. The numbers are just out for yesterday, 1,245 more cases 32 more deaths it seems like every time we talk to you things are getting worse that my imagination
3: no you you don't have to imagine you just have to pay attention
2: yeah it's uh it's it's pretty frightening Uh, doctor and i asked you before we went on there and i I like to start out the interview with this um uh, people, A lot of people, I think, are, are a little uh, confused as to when it's time to get tested for COVID-19. A lot of seasonal allergies here in South Mississippi, as you well know, they can uh, make your head stop up, make you ache, make you have chills, make you not feel good. But how do you know, as, as a layman, uh, when you feel that way, if you have seasonal allergies or you need to go be tested for COVID-19? So.
3: All of those symptoms of the standard common seasonal summer cold or seasonal allergies that we have, there's no way to tell the difference between that and COVID-19 based on history, based on symptoms. You cannot tell the difference. So if you weren't having those symptoms, in other words, if you were fine a week or two ago and you started having these symptoms, it's COVID until you prove that it's not. Now, you go get tested, It may you may prove not to be COVID, thank God. But once you start having those symptoms, you should self-isolate until you get the test results back in your hand. Because if it is COVID, then you are contagious and you will be spreading it. So if you don't wear a mask and if you don't self-isolate. So it's so important that if you have symptoms, the, the cough, the cold symptoms, the runny nose. If this is Now, if you've had a runny nose for the past six years, this is a challenge for us. You know, there are people who have chronic perennial allergies, and um, talk to your doctor about those. But the person who has new onset of symptoms, you, you're going to have to go get tested.
2: All right. Second question: No one loves football any more than I do. But when I when I see the news, I, I listen to Doctor uh, Doctor Hobbs. I listen to you. I, I see the statistics, and then I see, for example, this morning, they're just one school, that Southern Miss has started football practice. Again, from a layman's standpoint, I just sort of shake my head and think, "Where are our priorities?" As a physician, what is your thought about uh, about all of these activities resuming in light of where we are today?
3: You know, I, I've said for a long time that you know we don't have to shut down like we did in March. We can live. We can do a lot of things. I, I, there are a lot of things that I do, but I do them with an understanding of how to not get COVID. So I'm not a coach. I don't. Uh, I've got a reasonable idea about what happens in practices. It's going to be very, very, very difficult to have athletic practices. I mean, outdoors is safer than indoors, so that part's good, and you can do conditioning. Um, but to have a bunch of people huddle up and gather together and breathing hard and hot and sweaty and yeah, I mean, it's a challenge that I don't know how you can overcome. I, I haven't. Um, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it certainly is not something that can be done without a tremendous amount of thought and really consulting with, um, like someone from the health department or a physician who understands the transmission, who could come out and watch what you're doing and say, okay, you can do this and you can't do that. And I, coaches aren't going to want to hear that. I know that they want to coach. They know how to coach. I don't, but, um, it's a real challenge to get a bunch of people together, have them breathing really hard uh, because they're exerting themselves, and be really close together, and expect that there won't be transmission. And it's already been proven at team after team after team around the country. You've seen it outbreaks. It I think was at Auburn and did uh, state. One of our state colleges had an outbreak, didn't they?
2: Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: It's going to happen.
2: I heard this yesterday. Is this true or false? That. That the virus has mutated, that it doesn't seem to be as severe as it initially was, but it's more contagious now than it initially was. Any truth to
3: that? Well, it's true that this virus, like pretty much all viruses, do change as they replicate. There are um, there are changes. Uh, you can call them mutations, but there are, there their genetic material is uh, labile and it can change, and so it. Things are, there are a lot of things that remain common, but there are some things that change. I have not seen solid evidence that says that it's become more or less contagious, more or less severe in, co- in terms of causing disease. Now, it's a very contagious virus. That's one of the problems. It's very contagious. It's, uh, and the part that I think gives people the most difficulty in understanding is that so many people have minimal to no symptoms, and that it, yet it remains a very deadly illness because of those that it does affect. Um, many of them go on to serious illness. Uh, some of them go on to death. And then what we're finding this really distressing is an increasing body of knowledge and understanding that people who do get sick with it may have persistent symptoms after the virus is gone and they're no longer contagious They may remain short of breath, fatigued, loss of uh, sense of smell, may have endocrine problems, uh, more difficulty controlling their diabetes for weeks or even months. We don't yet know how long that's going to be because we have this is the first time we've been through it. So give us another year, and we'll be able to say how long it lasts. Uh, But right now, prolonged illness after recovery from the virus is being appreciated as a significant problem.
0: Luke? Dr. Horn, um, thanks again for your willingness to, to come on every day. I want to talk about the big announcements yesterday. Let's first talk about what Dr. Dobbs did, and then I want to get to uh, what Governor Reeves said. So yesterday, Dr. Thomas Dobbs issued a statewide order. Uh, it, it's a, a common-sense order, you would think, uh, Dr. Horn, but but he's basically saying anyone that's being diagnosed with COVID, it's a statewide order. You must remain quarantined. And I looked it up. There's actually, it's under, like, is finable and punishable by fines and and even jail time uh, but i guess an official mandate from the state health officer to what everybody else should have already been practicing anyway
3: it's always been that way it's been that way from the very outset if in the early days of this pandemic there were few enough cases that they actually got uh they would track down the health department would track people down and send them an official letter now we're having so many cases there's simply not enough personnel in the health department to track everybody down and hand them that letter saying, thou shalt stay home for 14 days. You know, uh, tag, you're out of the game uh, for 14 days. Penalty box for you. There's not enough of them around. So they've enlisted all of us in medicine for several weeks now to say, if you've got a patient that tests positive, we want you to tell them to isolate themselves, to quarantine themselves. And actually, even further than that, if we test someone because they have symptoms, you're supposed to go home and isolate until those results come back you're not supposed to be out uh, at soccer practice um, and so but that's been that way and now it's just getting to the point that there he's he's now generalized it to let the entire state know you should isolate yourself you should quarantine yourself if you're positive you should isolate yourself if you've been tested
0: I mean, there's even things in that order that say, you know, you you don't need to have visitors at your home if you're in your home. And I've heard people, you know, families they they've taken these steps. Basically, you get your one side of the house; everybody else stays away from you. But I mean, all this is like an order now inside your house. Uh, if no one else is in, is you know is diagnosed, you stay away from them. No one comes to see you. When's the last time this happened in the state of Mississippi like this?
3: Uh, in the thirty in the twenty eight years I've been in practice, never. Wow. Not not widespread. I mean, we would have outbreaks of say meningitis or outbreaks of tuberculosis, and we would quarantine people or stuff like that. But I mean, widespread like this, never. And I'll give you a quick, very personal example. This past week, I have twenty um, one year old twins, and um, they went out doing something reasonable, um, got exposed nonetheless the day after the event they found out that the, one of the people they'd been around tested positive and that they had had what would constitute an exposure so we had them uh, isolate they stayed upstairs wore a mask and i would never got closer than 10 15 feet from them until they got their test back
2: hmm. all right doctor we're up against the break going to keep you for the next segment if you're good with that and, i am Going to continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Horn on the Eagle Hour after this.
1: Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top.
2: I want to thank Campus Bookmark for their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. You can enjoy their great inventory six days a week on Hardy Street right across from the campus. Or you can go to campusbookmark.net. You can order your Southern Miss apparel. You can have it delivered to you right at your home. All right, Luke, uh, we've got Doctor Mark Horner on the phone, and uh, Luke, you were you were talking to the doc about uh, the governor's uh, orders yesterday. Continue that questioning, please.
0: Pretty extraordinary, Doctor Horn. You were talking about never in uh, you know your thirty years of practice have we had a, a, an order handed down like this from the state medical officer so widespread. Governor Reeves issues a temporary two week mask mandate. Um, I want to talk about the mask and then get into to some school stuff with you. Uh, when's the last time if any has has there ever been a mask mandate uh, from a governor to the Mississippi population
3: and i I started medical school in nineteen eighty four uh, started practice in nineteen ninety two I've never seen one.
0: Wow. So for the next two weeks, basically every everywhere in public, uh, shopping, everything, help us unpack that. It's just basically like wear a mask no matter where you are in public.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you're in your home with your nuclear family or cohort, the people that you're with all the time that you're y'all are, um, then you don't have to wear your mask. If you're in your yard, if you're working in your yard, if you're running, if you're exercising outside, and you're not right up against other people, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're, you know, at the park and you're and running, so you don't have to wear a mask. But if you're in a group, or if you're in a retail environment, or if you're uh, uh, everywhere else, just put on a mask and wear it. And uh, you know, if you need to adjust it for com- uh, periodically, but it needs to be cover your nose. It you needs to cover your mouth so that when you whatever you breathe out gets filtered through the mask, broken up, so that it's if it's filled with virus, that it falls to the ground much more quickly and it's less of a threat to everybody.
0: And it's always helpful to have some breath mints around because mask mouth and mask breath is not very good for yourself. So treat yourself right. Get your favorite yeah. mint or... Whatever, that's what I've had to do. So we, we should mention that that mask mandate was actually in 37 of the 82 counties. Now it extends to all 82 counties. All right, the big news yesterday, people were wondering, was there going to be a delay of schools. Some school districts across the state have already delayed. Us here in Jones County, school's supposed to start on uh, on Friday. Uh, the news comes out, it's just eight school districts um, that are impacted uh, to, to delay But, you know, Doc, the Corinth School District is really the only one in the, in the state that does year round. They had already started back, I think like the last or next to last day in July. They've already had six COVID cases. They've already had uh, to quarantine like 91 students and teachers. Uh, I I feel like we're going to see that spread across the state. So what advice would you give parents and students and teachers, educators, um, as we really try to pull school off. And I know you've been in favor. You've been, been in favor on this show and in other places saying kids need to get back. What would you say to them as we start back school in an unprecedented time?
3: Clearly, we need kids back in school. But clearly, we need kids back in school safely. Those two things need to coincide. Uh, as the higher the rate of community transmission, and right now in Jones County and Forest County and the Pine Belt here, it's high. So the higher the rate of transmission in the community, the more likely you are to have an outbreak in school. And if you have a big outbreak in school, it's going to be hard to keep school going. So I want my kids, I want my 15-year-old back in school. I want him to be there and be able to stay there. That means we need a lower community spread, which means we all need to do the basics. So if you want one, you know, if you want dessert, you've got to eat your vegetables. If you want... Uh, to have your kids in school, you need to do what it takes to accomplish that.
2: Hmm. Is it too early right now for schools to be opening back up, Doctor Horn?
3: It's a challenge. I, I, I don't want to, you know. So it's it's hard for me to how we're going to be successful. I think there's a very high likelihood of non-success with this initial early with this opening at a standard time. I think it's very likely. Uh, high likelihood that what's going to happen is there'll be significant outbreaks and people are going to have to uh, pair things back.
2: Doctor, let me ask you this. It seems to me, and it may just be coincidental, but it does seem to me that um, when things were opened back up in Mississippi after the shutdown, when when things began to open back up, the numbers began to go up. and And the more the more people are accustomed to everything being open now and everything seemingly being back to normal, we're in the middle of this terrible rash of this disease, no pun intended. Uh, is that the reason that we're seeing so many cases is because we opened up too soon?
3: I don't think I, – I, I may be a little counterintuitive here. I don't necessarily think it's because we opened up. I think it's because we opened up and people didn't do what they needed to do for it to stay open safely. Mm-hmm. I think it opened up, and people said it's open. So now I can gather. Instead of saying I need to avoid large crowds, let's get together and let's have a big party at my house, and let's um, not wear a mask and let's get up close. So they went back to a normal. You could open up, but you couldn't. You had to open up with conditions. So I think we can open up, but the conditions are we need to be personally distanced from each other at least six feet. We need to wear a mask uh, when we're in public, and we need to avoid large, close gatherings. If we do those things, then we can stay open.
2: Right. But you have to do those things. What, what do you say to the naysayers, to the I, – I call them the Facebook physicians – uh, I ne- I never knew so many people were experts in in healthcare.
3: There's a lot of people getting their MDs off of Facebook these days. And I what do you say
2: it. to those people, Doctor Horn? What's your message to those naysayers?
3: I try to be uh, polite and I try to be uh, cordial. But you know, if someone wants to tell me the sun rises in the west, I, I just I turn and walk away because there's nothing I can do to tell them, uh, convince them that the sun rises in the east. Uh, when somebody tells me that a mask uh, is harmful, uh, th- there's just no talking to them. Uh, there- there's nothing I can say. I mean, right. physicians and 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 nurses and healthcare workers have been wearing masks for hours and hours and hours a day for hundred for over a hundred years, and, and so to say that masks are harmful is just a fallacy that is hard to comprehend to say that viral respiratory illness is not spread by close uh, contact uh, without mask uh, is just a denial of truth that uh, I have no way to counter.
2: Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. And I'm certainly not, (laughs) not even in the same stratosphere of intelligence uh, as you and, and other medical doctors. All right. So let's pretend for a moment that, Dr. Mark Horn has given the ultimate power. You're the Dr. Fauci, but you're the Dr. Oh. Dr. Fauci with teeth, let's say. What would you tell all the all the fans, players and coaches that are so anxious to get football started in regard to the idea of waiting until the spring when hopefully there is a um, a remedy for this? What what would be your advice? Play now, be safe, or let's just guys, let's just wait until spring?
3: If people tell me they want a normal football season, I t- I'd say to them there is no normal football season with widespread community, uh, a, a pandemic that is in widespread community spread like it is with COVID 19 now. It cannot be done safely, so, and not right now. So if you tell me you're willing to make a lot of compromises, uh, like no fans or very, 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 very limited fans and uh, do a lot of different things, then maybe. But um, people want normal. So I'd say if you want normal, put it off.
0: Okay. Luke, I'm going to give you the last 90 seconds. Well, you know, if you had the ultimate power, you would force Auburn to play Southern Miss where they could get like $1.5 million. That's what we were hoping you would do is, you know, just to to, uh, be able to do all that. but.
3: I would force them to. Uh, you're an you're
0: Europe. an Ole Miss guy, aren't you? We haven't brought that out, but uh, we won't hold that against you, right? Actually, my my
3: father and older sister went to, went to Mississippi State. My wife has a graduate deg- has two graduate degrees from Southern. Uh, I've got two kids at Ole Miss. I got my undergraduate degree from Mississippi College and Jones College. And then I have a ma- a b- my medical degree from Ole Miss Med School, so I've got bets all over the place. So
2: clearly, your wife is it's the well smartest person in the family, right, Doctor Horn?
3: Yeah, she got her undergraduate nursing <laughs> degree from University of Tennessee, <laughs> <laughs> so she considers herself a Tennessee fan. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm school, SEC. School back. I'm hardcore SEC.
0: All right. Well, we still love you, Doctor. Well, we won't hold that against no, you. No, we okay? still love like you. I make love sure, Southern. Make sure, I... when you spell SEC, always spell it with a dollar sign at the beginning. Okay, that's <laughs> the way that we spell it on this. Show.
3: I love Hattiesburg, and I love I love a, a Southern as well. I really do. Well,
0: look, Doctor. We, we well,
3: that's a go ahead, Luke. Go ahead.
0: No, we really appreciate you coming on, and and I just want to let you know there is a dude. He's actually a Mississippi State fan, and he lives out in Arizona. Yeah. And he loves this show, and you are his favorite guest. Yeah. Oh, a Mississippi man. State fan on a Southern Miss show and a medical doctor from is his Miss. favorite guest. So thanks again for coming on.
2: <laughs> See, Dr. It's, Horn, it's we're just welcoming. Yeah, there you go. It's 2020. That's exactly right. <laughs> Dr. Mark Horn, everybody. South Central Regional Medical Center. Very, very grateful for uh, his input on the Eagle Hour, as he's been doing since the start of this mess. We'll be back. Kelly Sanders next.
1: To the top. top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
0: We always appreciate Dr. Mark Horn of the South Central Regional Medical Center for joining us. Great stuff. If you missed that interview, uh, go to uh, Supertalk.fm. Look for the Eagle Hour a little later. You can always find the Eagle Hour uh, on the podcast uh, version. You can go uh, all all over the place: iTunes, Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Everywhere else that has a podcast, search for the Eagle Hour and uh, go back and listen. Really important, especially for those of us in counties like Jones County, where school's starting back literally Friday or maybe early next week, Dr. Horn um, with some just common sense, uh, practical ways for for, uh, parents to get their students ready. As, uh, as they go back. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Owner Slade White, great friend of the Eagle Hour, great lunch over there everyday Eight ninety five includes a soft drink, so we appreciate the sponsorship of 4th Street Bar and Grill. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly Sander joins us now. Kelly, a uh, big announcement from the NCAA uh, just a few hours ago uh, about football programs and uh, the announcements that uh, are, I guess, the decisions that need to be made by each university.
1: Yeah, it, it sure looks, Luke, from, from the uh, release by the NCAA this afternoon that they're, they're not very optimistic uh, about, about the season going forward. But uh, they said if the season is to go forward, that uh, all – members of the NCAA have got, to, have got to concede these issues, that if college players want to opt out of the season, very much like the National Football League or Major League Baseball, that college athletes will have the right to opt out of the season and their scholarships will be held for them during this time period. That from the NCAA just a couple of hours ago. Also, the NCAA said that if players uh, decide to play schools cannot waive the players' legal rights. So if a player maybe feels uh, pressured to play, that's what's going to be a little bit scary here, is that athletes who might say that they feel pressured to play will have their rights. Their legal rights cannot be stripped from them if they have an issue with the school. That that also from the NCAA. And finally, the NCAA said that uh, August 21st is kind of the drop-dead date for schools to say whether they are or are not going to play football, uh, August 21st. Louisville, meanwhile, has suspended uh, fall sports operations except for football because of an outbreak of COVID. The soccer teams, the cross-country teams, and the volleyball teams have all been shut down at Louisville because of a COVID outbreak. But again, August 21st, college teams will have to say, yes, they're in or, or they are out. They will have until August 21st, and you guys already mentioned Connecticut has already said they're shutting things down. Meanwhile, players from the Big Ten Conference have been talking to players in the Pac 10 about some of their quote unquote rules that they want enforced or they might opt out themselves. Uh, So, Big Ten players actually talking to the Pac 10 players about some of, of those things that they, the safety measures that they want to be guaranteed. Closer to home in Conference USA, the Big 12 Conference of course, announced the other day that they would play a conference schedule plus one. So they would only play one game outside their conference. And the good news is is that Louisiana Tech had a game September 26th scheduled with Baylor, and that game will be played. Baylor has announced that the September 26th game with Louisiana Tech will be their, their extra game, if you will, outside the conference. So a big payday there for Louisiana Tech. In the Big Ten Conference, Wisconsin school officials today announced even playing a conference-only schedule with stadiums only half capacity that the school stands to lose $70 million. Worked, if they wow. football season uh, would be lost altogether, it would be $100 million. So they are asking for boosters to give money to the foundation. But even playing games... At half capacity, Wisconsin estimates their losses will be $70 million. And in Major League Baseball, the Florida Marlins, after having a COVID outbreak, are back to playing at baseball. The only team shut down at the the moment for the long term are the St. Louis Cardinals, who still have about 13 Positive COVID test. So okay. a lot of things breaking, guys, and there you have
2: it. That was more news than uh, sports news than you get out of watching the That's... six and ten o'clock sportscast here locally, Kelly. Way to go! <laughs> well, We tried, Bob. We tried.
0: <laughs> I was I was just reminiscing when I was like three years old and watching Kelly on WDAM. I wow, mean, that was me just too. Like, that
2: was the flow. My God, me too. I was looking for him to be wearing a shirt and tying a pair of shorts.
1: Yeah, but but, Kelly, but had a lot of hair back then.
2: They did. Well, have well hair, me, yeah. me
1: and Andy Griffith when they went to color. <laughs> TV, we just said, no, we're, we're not doing that. We're not
2: doing color TV. So uh, I'm going to take you back to what you said about player rights. That uh, brings up an interesting article that I found this morning. Uh, at Colorado State, Kelly, multiple players claiming that there's what they call a COVID-19 cover-up that coaches have told players not to report symptoms, threaten them with the loss of playing time if they do. They're claiming that the school is even altering the tracing reports to keep the COVID numbers down. And uh, it was a group of about a dozen players and one anonymous staff member. And uh, they claim that the head coach and defensive coordinator are refusing to wear a mask at practice. And the Colorado State players, this growing group of players, kind of kind of doing what you see out at the Pac-10. The Players are beginning to speak up when they don't feel like their safety is, is maybe the priority of the program.
1: And, Bob, that might be the route as to why the NCAA in that announcement a couple of hours ago said that players – cannot have their legal rights waived. Players will have legal rights if they feel for some reason that they've been coerced or things of that nature, that they would have full legal rights to do what is within the law to do.
2: Yeah, well, I think they should. Even if they're Republicans, Kelly, they still get their legal rights? i want to clarify that.
1: Everybody.
2: Okay, that's that's the way it's supposed to be, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. That's right. 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 So do do you see a growing problem now with, with players feeling emboldened to speak out and take actions on their own to protect themselves, which I, let me go on the record, I think they're entitled to do that. Well,
1: sure, sure. And, and remember, a lot of these college athletes, some of them, you know, are, are maybe a little bit older, and, and a lot of these college guys have wives and maybe, you know, young right. children. Right. Um, and so they're not just necessarily worried about themselves. Right. If they, if they have a spouse and children, there's other people they got to worry about. It should,
2: you know, Luke. I've I've read some criticism of NFL players opting out, and I thought to myself when I read that article, you know, you're a young man that you've become a millionaire. You know, you've got yourself, you know, at this high level, and uh, you've got a family, you've got children, you've got plenty of money to live on. There's no shame in saying I don't want to take any chances with myself or my family. I'm going to sit it out. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think there's some guys that take that approach, and I think there's some guys that could do that, but they love playing the game. Right. I think some guys, uh, you know, what gets them up in the morning is the fact that they get to, they get to play, uh, football. They get to play baseball. They get to play basketball, and that's what kind of keeps them going, keeps their life even keel. So if a, a guy decides either way on it, he motivated either way in those directions, different directions, complete opposites of each other. I can't blame him at all, and I kind of agree with both. I agree, and I think they both
2: have the right to uh, to do what they think is in their best interest. And I don't think they ought to be criticized either way either way for doing that.
1: So the NCAA is is protecting, uh, you know, with this announcement, is of course protecting their their uh, scholarship sovereignty, if you will. So if they if they do opt out this year, they will have a scholarship to come back to, and again, keeping their legal rights is certainly going to make it very interesting for schools who decide yay yeah, or nay, but. But, but let's let's just say more and more schools pull out by August twenty first. Then what have you got for a schedule? Right. You know. Then you got ads rushing around all over the place trying to pick up games. The AAC meanwhile maintains they're going to play a full schedule, as does the Sun Belt. So, yeah. we're, we're, unless of course teams that they were scheduled to play are, are playing their conference only games.
2: So, I'm gonna put you AAC- on the spot with ninety seconds left, Kelly. USM started football practice today. Do, does the university have an obligation to report to the public when and if players start developing positive COVID tests, or does a university like a Southern Miss have the right to keep that information in house?
1: And it's a good question, Bob. But I don't know the answer because there's a lot of in and outs to the HIPAA HIPAA rules, which is your you know your your health right information is to be protected so i i know that, that positive tests are supposed they must by law report them to the you know to the department of health but uh i don't know if it's numbers of tests positive that need to be reported or specific names attached to those but i would think for privacy reasons they would not be able to disclose publicly right. who they could probably disclose how many just not who
2: well, that's right, and and I, I and let me clarify that. That's what I mean. I don't mean individual players. Should they disclose when players test? Say, there's ten players. We've seen that with other schools. Is the point I'm trying to get to? Yes, yes. Should that be the policy here?
1: Well, I, I would think. I would think in full disclosure, you'd, you'd only be opening yourself up to problems if you don't right. disclose it.
2: Right. Well,
1: you know. Because if you, if you disclose it, you're saying here it is. I mean, what what else do you want to know? But if you don't report things, there's always that you know that eye of suspicion that people will look to. you, Oh, what are you what are you hiding? Right. You know, if you're not if you're not telling us this, what else are you not telling
2: us? Right. All right, we're going to continue the show in just a minute. If you've got a child that plays softball or baseball, you got to send them to D Bat Training Facility, Hardy Street here in Hattiesburg. D One Training provides expert training and conditioning. For all athletes, every sport, every age, D-BAT, D-1, state-of-the-art training for athletic people in your family. And it's located on Hardy Street right here in Hattiesburg. Check them out. Eagle Hour continues.
1: Southern Miss
2: to the top.
0: We're back on a Wednesday, fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. If you're looking to get a new ride, they can help you do that. Maybe you're looking for a truck, the Toyota Tundra and Tacoma, some of the best out there. SUV, I got a, a really good friend of mine swears by the 4Runner. Uh, ne- had never had anything but a 4Runner. Toyota of Hattiesburg can put you in your next SUV. Uh, Car Kelly, you drive a Toyota. I do.
1: Is, Been is good that true? Per- yeah, I do. Drive a, a Corolla.
2: Are you back exercising in the Corolla every morning now, Kelly, like you were prior to getting in? Oh, out?
1: yeah. I'll get, I'll get out every morning, Bob. It doesn't matter whether it's hot or cold. I'll get out and do five, six, ten miles, you know. <laughs>
0: That's
1: good. And never anyway. crack a sweat. Toyota Hattensburg brings sweat, us
0: the, uh, the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour. Um, would be remiss not to mention this. It's a little weird this year, but this is the first day of, uh, what are we going to call this, COVID camp for the Southern Miss football team. They had a <laughs> workout camp. this morning. Helmet and shorts, uh, their first, quote, social distance practice. Um, some early reports uh, out of camp. Uh, at the running back position, uh, guys, don't forget about D Baker, uh, young guy really fast, Don Ragsdale impressed, uh, but just you know shorts and uh, and helmets. I know what one of those practices is like, but uh, I'm excited about the running back position. You got to be excited that Jack Abraham is in his third uh, third year. Um, I guess. What's a new offense for Jack Abraham? Year three of a – and and he's three for three. Three offensive coordinators in three different years. And, Bob, we're just praying no bubble screens in 2020. No bubble screens. That will be the uh, – I think the key to the team
2: doing better this year, Kelly, you jumping jump in here, is uh, it kind of gets back to old-school football. You've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage get yardage on the ground when you need to, so the defensive team is not sure what you're going to do next. And, Kelly, that's where the team, I think, has faltered down the stretch the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think it was a little disappointing last year because the expectations of the team was that they were going to be able to run the ball. The offensive right. line was more experienced, um, you know, bigger, stronger. So I thought, you know, going into the year, that, that they really felt good about where the running game was. Um, where the running game was and and it just you know it was it was a little bit flat so um
2: but and and if you get a good running game going guys doesn't that maybe cut down on some of the interceptions that uh that abraham has been prone to throw because he's under a lot of pressure it seems like and a lot of pressure on him to, to get the team down the field when he's thrown a lot of those interceptions so doesn't that help as well the running game helps that too
0: yeah the, sure I mean I think yeah. I think uh, what what you do is you establish that and you don 't have to you do not have to throw to set up the run game which is what we 've done the last two years I mean you basically push linebackers mm-hmm. and safeties and they creep back a little bit and then you can run the ball what you what what you want to do in the offense is for those to creep up and then hit them what was unfortunate last right. year we had so much speed with Quez Watkins. That you would literally just have to throw it up and let Quez go get it if you had, you know, a downfield attacking game. What I feel like what's going to help is with the stable of running backs, you're really going to see a lot of possession throws to Tim Jones. You're going to see some, some vertical stuff with Jalen Adams. And then you talk about Brownlee and, and you talk about the slot receiver. Daquan Bailey Brown guys, if we have a normal year this year, I don't know if, if we have had an as, on on paper and from sight, an explosive slot receiver like him. And so I feel like there's a whole lot more balance in the backfield and on the side, and they're going to complement each other. And who knows? I mean, Matt Kubik likes uh, Jack is, you know, I think last year Jack had about a 25-, 30-yard touchdown scamper. So you get some misdirection in there. I mean, believe it or not, Jack Abraham might be a, a little running threat out of the backfield based in the Kubik offense. So I, I think this system fits our personnel a whole lot better.
1: And I want to go back to, to a point you, you guys were talking about Jack Abraham just a second ago. You mentioned that he's had three OCs in the past three years. To me, if you're a potential NFL scout, and you know, I don't know I don't know if Jack's skill set would would work in the NFL or not, those you know, guys get highly paid to judge talent. But I'm just saying from a mental standpoint and from a cerebral standpoint, you've got a quarterback, Jack Abraham, who's had three different offensive coordinators in three years, which means he's had to learn different things. So his ability to pick up new offenses certainly can't be questioned. You know? So right. if you're scouting him maybe from an NFL standpoint, you say, Man, this guy is smart. He's been able to run a team three different ways.
2: Right. Right. And yeah. you gotta hope that he you, you gotta hope that he has a good year going where, where does he stand last thirty seconds, Kelly? Right now, where would he stack up in the lineage of Southern Miss quarterbacks? A top ten quarterback for Southern Miss?
1: Uh, I I don't I don't know, Bob. Uh he's you know, maybe if, if he is in the top ten, it'd be you know in the in the lower ten. I right. think just because the team hasn't accomplished much,
2: right? And there's a long list of very good quarterbacks that have played that's football that's, at Southern Miss.
1: Yeah, that's where I was going with yeah. it. We've had just some great ones over the years.
2: Very good. Kelly's favorites: Tommy Waters. I mean, he's at yeah. the top. Touchdown, Tommy Waters. Right there, Kelly? you
1: go. Touchdown, Tommy Waters. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, out there. of Meridian High.
2: I would argue the best lineage of quarterbacks of any school in Mississippi comes from southern miss you go back to the reggie you go to go back to jeff bauer move your way forward and kelly here's your homework assignment okay. tell me if mississippi state or ole miss either one can show you the number of really excellent quarterbacks that southern miss has had in that span of time well, i say no take me long. no no all right, that wraps it up for today. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Kelly will have an answer to that question and much, much more information. Good job on that sports cast, Sandra. It just kind of took me back, man. It was really great to hear that.
1: Man, I love I love getting the sleeves rolled up and getting to work, you know. <laughs>
2: Southern Miss.
3: To the top. To the top. To the sea.